time is 11 o'clock central. On the 11 o'clock docket, we have the jointly administered cases under case number 22-90341, Core Scientific Inc. Folks, please don't forget to record your electronic appearance if it's a first or it's been a while, perhaps even an entire year. Uh, that's a quick trip to the website, a couple of mouse clicks. You can do that at any time prior to the conclusion of this morning's hearing. First time that you speak, if you would, please state your name and who you represent. That really does help give the court reporter a good point of reference in the event that a transcript request is made. We are recording this morning using CourtSpeak. Uh, we'll have the audio up on the docket shortly after the conclusion of this morning's hearing. I previously told everyone, there we go, uh, that I have activated the hand raising feature. You know you're going to be speaking, haven't already done so, if you give me a five star. And Mr. Perez, I just saw you. I don't think just looking at the numbers that we have the while office in New York uh, unmuted. Your Honor, good morning. It's Chris Turner, but we just want to confirm that, that our audio is working. I, I saw you pop on earlier, and I could I could hear you, so yes. Okay. Honor, we can't hear you if, uh, if, can't hear if you're intending to speak to us. Mine unmuted. Wow. Should I start over? Yes, my, my apologies. My apologies to everyone. Uh, so let me start again. The time is 11:01 Central. Happy New Year to everyone. Today is January the 3rd, 2023. This is the docket for Houston, Texas. On the docket this morning, we have the jointly administered cases under case number 22-90341, Core Scientific Inc. Um, we are recording this morning using CourtSpeak. We'll have the audio up on the docket shortly after the conclusion of the hearing. Please don't forget to record your electronic appearance. That's a quick trip to the website. You can do that at any time prior to the conclusion of the hearing. Uh, first time that you do speak, if you would, please state your name and who you represent. That does it plays a very important role in help giving the court reporters a point of reference in the event that a transcript request is made. I think I got it. I was better the first time than I was the second, uh, in any event. Uh, Mr. Perez, uh, good morning. Are you doing intros and then handing it off? Uh, I think, Your Honor, uh, that's correct. Um, along with uh, me is my partners, Rodney Berkovich and Ted Zacharides, and I think Ms. Berkovich will handle the, the matters initially. All right. Thank you. Um, let me ask. I. Let me first, at least, are we going forward today? Yes, Your Honor. All right. Is there, I, I really didn't understand the reason why there was a request to seal uh, Celsius' preliminary objection. Was that done by agreement? Was there a discussion? I generally don't like to do that unless there's a reason. And having read it, I just didn't see the reason. Your Honor, uh, for the record, Chris Turman, Kirkland and Ellis for Celsius and affiliated debtors and debtors in possession. Those are objections. Um, Your Honor, there's a, a protective order in the Celsius case. That material is governed by the protective order. In advance of filing our objection, we reached out to counsel for CORE and asked them, you know, what if anything they believe was confidential that should be sealed. They provided us with a list. Uh, to be clear, and as Your Honor may have seen in our sealing motion, we don't believe that the sealing of that information is necessary. 
Um, but pursuant to the protective order, that's what we're required to do. It was designated by CORE, so we complied with our obligations under our protective order, filed it under seal. And under that protective order, uh, CORE has seven days to object uh, and, and argue about why that should be sealed. Um, and if they don't object, they will automatically be unsealed after seven days. So there's a process to go through. Uh, again, to be clear, we don't believe that it needs to be sealed or should be sealed, but we did it at the request of CORE. So, uh, all right, so this was, yes, Mr. Zacharides, good morning. Yes, Your Honor, I want to address the point that Zacharides from Wild to the debtors on the, on the sealing issue. So uh, most of those documents relate to third-party agreements or third-party discussions, and that's why we, we kept them confidential, because they're not just our information. And, you know, the transcripts from the depositions, we allowed those in, and anything that was between the parties, we allowed those in, but because the documents that they wanted related to third parties, that's why we maintain the confidentiality. Separate from the issue that we don't think any of that is, is relevant, but just on the confidentiality point, that was the reason behind it. So was that with respect to Mr. Brown's affidavit? Yes, uh, it, it was all on the issue about the underlying dispute on the contract. No, so, so let me so let me let me take a step back. And again, I, I I'm not trying to get in the middle of whatever arrangement was 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 made. Mr. Brown's affidavit is totally inappropriate for so many different reasons. I'm not going to consider it on any basis. Um, quite frankly, it probably ought to simply be struck. Um, based upon what's on file, but I want to talk just about the objection itself, which is docket number 211, which is the actual, that's the actual sealed document. Is there a reason why that should be sealed? And if there is, I'm not, again, not trying to step on the toes of any agreement that's been reached, is having read it, I don't understand why it was sealed. Uh, I got why you would have an issue with Mr. Brown's affidavit, but best I can tell, that wasn't actually sealed. Well, we, we didn't discuss with them in advance the objection. They had sent us a list of documents that related to the underlying dispute and some deposition testimony, and that's what we referred to. And there, when I read the objection this morning, I mean, I think the front half it, it relates to the dispute about the rejection to the extent that there is one. And then the back half is on the underlying contract dispute, which we don't even think is relevant in the rejection context. Presumably, if they were seeing, because there is reference to the underlying documents that are confidential in that back half, probably that's why they sealed that. But that's, I didn't see this beforehand, but the driver for the sealing, from our perspective, were these third-party documents that some are referenced in this objection. Right, but the document, can, can all of the materials themselves are attached to Mr. Brown's affidavit, which, again, just looking at it, isn't sealed. Right, I know that affidavit. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Your Honor, there was a sealed version and an unsealed version. Certain of the exhibits are not confidential and were not sealed. Certain of the exhibits were confidential and, 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 and were sealed for that reason. There's two versions. The, the sealed version is at 212. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, the affidavit. It's 214 is the sealed version, which has all of the documents. And 212 is the redacted version, which 
those documents that were confidential was attached to the affidavit publicly and the remainder were not attached. I did not appreciate that they weren't identical. Okay, I got it. All right. And so, but with respect to the objection itself, that was sealed as well, correct? That's right, Your Honor. We did that because we made reference in the objection to certain documents that Forest Counsel told us they believed was confidential. And so we didn't want to have the horse sort of be out of the barn at that point if it turned out that those documents were to be confidential. And again, we don't believe that they are, that the references are confidential, but, you know, it's hard to reseal something once we post it publicly. No, one second that it, one second on the docket and it's no longer sealed. I totally got that. But I do, and again, if there's a, if there is a legitimate reason that it should be sealed, then I'm all for it. But I really disfavor these situations where anyone who has an interest in the case can't understand what's going on because everything gets sealed. And again, there's a good reason to seal it. I'm all for it. I don't want it to be used as a competitive advantage or embarrassment or if it discloses any sort of confidential information. I just didn't see it. Mr. Sacarides? Yes, I think the point I made there, Your Honor, in looking at their objection is through page nine before section four, as it relates to the rejection, I don't think any of that, that section has anything to do with the underlying dispute in the documents at issue. They could have, we didn't say anything about that. They could have unsealed that front portion and redacted the back piece. You know, having gone through every document that they cite from section four to the end, I'm sure there's some in here that fall within what we would consider competitive information and third party information, but certainly in addition to not being relevant. But I think they could easily unseal the first eight and three quarters pages that have nothing to do with the underlying dispute or claim of confidentiality and relate just to the rejection piece. All right. So for purposes of today, because I don't want to get off track, I'm going to leave it where it sits, but I'm urging everybody, again, if there's a legitimate reason to seal something, then fine. And I understand that there are real reasons to do it. What I really don't want to see is a developing habit where every single pleading is sealed, because I think that just does a disservice to the process. And I just don't think it's needed most of the time. I wonder what happened. Hello. Please enter your six-digit conference code. You have reached the courtroom. United States Bankruptcy. We'll now connect you to your call. There are 19 attendees in this conference. Your host has joined. Your Honor. Conference muted. All right. Evidently, the entire call was dropped. My apologies. We'll go back as far as we need to. I do have everybody muted. So if you would give me a five-star again, I would be much appreciated.
Your Honor, we can hear you now. This is Alfredo Perez. Thank you. And I have you unmuted. I'm waiting for the other folks. Yes, Mr. Koenig. Um, and Mr. Tecaridis, can you hear me? Mr. Perez, could you text uh, your colleagues in New York yes. and tell them that they need to dial in again? Yes, sir. Mr. Koenig, can you hear me just thumbs up or thumbs down? All right, I need for you to hit five star again. Your Honor, I'm, I'm, it looks like our, our whole line dropped, so we redialed, we redialed in on my cell phone. We're coming in. Can you hear me okay on the cell phone? Loud and clear, however you're doing that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so I, I missed whatever until until just now when you asked me if we could hear you. Right. No, Please continue. So let me, let's just take a minute and get everybody in. I've got Mr. Perez back, and he's live. I don't think that we have uh, Mr. Sacrides back on the line yet. Your Honor, we'll put in the chat that everybody should redial, and that's the best way to get reconnected. I think everyone has everyone has done that. I I now have eighty some odd folks back on the line. But thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. And I think we can. I can read your lips, but I can't hear you. Hold on. It, there's a Chicago number just popped up. There we go. Thank you, Your Honor. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you helping us through the technicalities. No, no, no. Let's see. Do we have? Now we don't even have. Ah, there he's back. Zacharias, can you hear me? I can't hear you. Could you give me? There it is. There's the six four six number. All right. Okay. We good? We are good. All right. So I don't know where I lost you, but let me just sort of take a step back. And again, I want to make it very clear. If there are legitimate reasons for pleadings to be sealed, I'm all for it. I understand the reasons for that. What I don't want to do is to start a habit where every single thing that gets filed in the case is sealed. I just think that that does a disservice to the process. And again, if, if there are reasons that part or all of this the motion, the affidavit, I'm sorry, the objection or the affidavit should be sealed. I don't want to parse through and say pages two through eight shouldn't be and, and the remainder uh, shouldn't be. I, I'll leave it like it is and just please you know, look at, take the position of being yourself on the outside looking in, wanting to follow and wanting to understand what's going on in the case. Legitimate reason, great. Uh, but otherwise, I'd really prefer the transparency. So let, let's just proceed from there, okay? We'll certainly do that, Your Honor. Thank you. 
and Your Honor, this is Alfredo Perez, but they did file a redacted version of the objection at 213, I think. Because that's the one that I pulled down before we ever got anything else. No, I just, where I started was the sealed version of the objection, and I just didn't understand why it was sealed. I didn't learn anything in there that I didn't have already sort of in my base knowledge set, and so I just didn't understand it, because all I see is what's on the docket. All right. So with that, let me, no, thank you both. So let me go ahead and Mr. Koenig, and again, I'm not trying to dictate how this proceeding goes. I'm still trying to understand what it is that your primary complaint focuses on, because I'm having difficulty, other than trying to be strategic, I'm having great difficulty in understanding the position that you're taking. Sure, Your Honor. Again, for the record, Chris Koenig. So look, our concern here, Your Honor, is process and timing. Let me start with the strategic point. We're not seeking to make a dollar off of court following today. We've agreed that they can turn off our rigs effective today, and that they don't get to continue to charge us, we don't continue to pay for it. We understand what we're trying to do is make sure that there's a process that gives us adequate time to talk to our stakeholders, gives us the opportunity to talk to Judge Glenn, and move forward on that basis. I mean, candidly, Your Honor, we think this is an emergency entirely of court's own making. They filed this two business days ago. They knew all of the facts on the petition date. It was in the first day declaration. It was referenced at the first day hearing. We don't really understand why they filed it when they did last week, but to the extent there is an emergency that's valid, we've agreed to take care of that. If we allow them to turn off the rigs, their alleged harm from continuing to go through and have to pay or continue to service a contract that they believe is not value maximizing, that that concern will no longer be there. But that will give us the adequate time that we need, and we think it's appropriate to, you know, we're a debtor in our own Chapter 11 case. We have our own bankruptcy judge, and we have litigation with court that is pending before Judge Glenn right now. So we're trying to be mindful of Judge Glenn. We don't want to get sideways with him. We don't want him to feel like the rug was sort of pulled out from under him on an emergency basis. And if this had been said on regular notice, we would have had time to work with court and to go to Judge Glenn and propose a list day motion. To be clear, we're not opposing the rejection at the appropriate time. We're not opposing the listing of the automatic stay because we think that court could demonstrate cause. But we think as a technical matter, the automatic stay exists and is in place, and the debtor can't just waive the automatic stay. There's black letter law that says that the stay protects not only the debtor, but the debtor's creditor to make sure that the debtor can't lift the stay to allow a friendly creditor to proceed. And so we think that the process is important. And, again, we don't think that court is going to suffer one iota from having done this because they can turn off the power on our rigs today. But that will give us time to go to our own constituents, to go to our own court, and, you know, we will support a joint stipulation with court that we believe the automatic stay should be lifted. And that will also give us the time to continue to work with court on the terms of the transition. I'm sure Your Honor saw in the objection we filed last night that we proposed terms for the transition of the 37,000 rigs. 
we just, frankly, given the emergency, haven't had the time to finish working that out uh, with CORE's counsel. But we think that that, that, would be, that that would be appropriate and reasonable, and frankly, we think it's required by the automatic stay in our own case. And so what provision of the automatic stay is it that you think that the sheer act of rejection violates? We think it's control over property of the estate. I mean, it's black letter law that the debtor can enforce compliance uh, with an executory contract by the, the non-debtor counterparty. Well, we're two debtors here. But Celsius can compel CORE to, to comply with the contract, and it's an automatic stay provision. And that's what we did. That's exactly what we did in our bankruptcy. We brought a motion for contempt and a motion to enforce the automatic stay to compel the non-debtor counterparty, the then non-debtor counterparty CORE, mm -hmm. to comply with the automatic stay. And so, so let's, we peel, let's, let's peel that back a bit. So mm -hmm. the act of rejection is simply nothing more than giving the debtor the right to breach the agreement and, excusing, breach. Yeah. and excusing future Sorry. performance. A motion yeah. to enforce and for contempt absolutely impacts the stay in this case. Did you agree? Mm -hmm. We agree, and that's why we haven't pursued that, that motion in our own case. Yet. And so how is it, because the, the debtor could just stop performing, and that wouldn't violate the, the state. The poor debtor. Yes. Poor yeah. They could just stop performing, yeah. and it doesn't violate the state. I think it could violate Celsius's stay, and oh, I so. think in order for us to continue... What, if I just decide not to perform, I'm, I'm third party dealing with your Celsius debtor, and if I choose not to perform, how could that possibly violate the automatic stay in your case, and what provision? Because we have the right, Your Honor, to, uh, the, the contract is itself property of the estate, and contractual rights are property of the estate. And so we have the ability to enforce those contractual rights in our own bankruptcy, and we, we filed a motion to enforce the automatic stay in our bankruptcy. But that's not the stay. The stay doesn't have to do with seeking enforcement. You can absolutely file a motion to compel, to compel performance. But it, until you do that, until you have an order, which you don't have an order, and you can't get one at this point without violating the stay in my case, Agreed. How does non-performance violate the automatic stay? Because we have we have contractual we have contractual rights. That's property of the estate, and their failure to perform under them is a. It, it gives rise to a claim, perhaps. But tell me what provision of the automatic stay that simple non-performance violates. I think it's an attempt to exercise control over the property of the estate because our not, property not even close. Not, what, what, what am I trying to exercise control over? I'm just simply saying I either can't or won't perform. What property right is that exercising control over other than my own? Our contractual, it's, it's our contractual rights to compel performance from the so non-debtor. If I told you that I consider that to be a frivolous argument, where would you like to go from here?
Your Honor, what I would say is we have litigation that's pending in front of Judge Glenn, and we think that it's appropriate that, as I said earlier, that he not sort of have the rug pulled out from under him, that there's litigation that this would effectively move. If the rejection goes forward, that would move the litigation in front of Judge Glenn. How so? It may limit it, but how does it pull the rug out from underneath it? If there was a right between your petition date and the date of rejection, that cause of action hasn't been affected. It hasn't just simply rejecting the contract doesn't affect what happens next. It doesn't affect what happens to the computers. It doesn't happen to enforcement. Sure. Your Honor, I'll concede that. I'll move instead to the rate for the property of the estate that we're really concerned about, right? It's not about, at this point, it's not about the contractual rate. It's about the rate, about the 30. Sorry, Your Honor. Let me say this to both of you. So one, the debtor has almost an unqualified right to reject so long as there is a rational business reason for doing it, and you've acknowledged that that reason exists. So what, and again, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to the debtor. I'm not going to let you use this as a strategic maneuver, and I think that you're actually taking advantage of Judge Glenn without Judge Glenn being able to voice his own concerns. I think it's exactly the opposite of what you're representing to me. That all being said, my debtor is not going to use the rejection of the contract to gain a strategic advantage in dealing with very valuable and expensive and sensitive property, which are the computers themselves. So what I, and again, I'm not trying to dictate the course of the hearing. I just need to get this on the right track because you folks are, Pat, you folks are not talking to one another. You're talking past one another, and I don't think that you want a third party in this conversation because I tend not to listen very well. There needs to be a structured, agreed, orderly, efficient, cost-effective way of dealing with the termination of the relationship without prejudice to whatever monetary issues may exist out there. You folks will work that out, but I'm not going to let this, there aren't going to be computers on the sidewalk, and I know that nobody would do that, but it's just a statement. There aren't going to be computers on the sidewalk. There isn't going to be air conditioning turned off that would endanger sensitive electronic components. It isn't going to be where you've got to come pick them up between the hours of 4 and 5. Not going to happen. I'm going to do this the right way. So we can have a hearing on whether or not the debtor is entitled to reject the agreement. You and the objection acknowledge that that's a losing battle. It's just a question of when, and I'm telling you the when is going to be right now, and we can spend time figuring out the right way to effectuate the transition so that we maximize the current situation that we find ourselves in for both bankruptcy estates. That's what we should all be working toward. Not trying to hang somebody up with a contempt motion or a sanctions motion or trying to 
set this up so that uh, that we can charge rent for computers or we can we can try to make a point. Not going to happen either way. But it just seems to me that we ought to be focused on having a conversation about how we end this in an honorable and transparent way without the involvement of either Judge Glenn or Judge Jones. This ought to be an operational transition that, quite frankly, no one who wears the black dress ought to be engaged in. Um, you know, unfortunately for you, I lived in a data center for a long time, and I feel like I know an awful lot about it. We don't really want to test that theory. Um, so let me ask, do we want to take a break and perhaps talk about a reset on how to proceed with the hearing, or do we want to proceed ahead with the hearing? Your Honor, I think it would be helpful for us to have a few minutes to talk offline and, and come back to Your Honor. And we certainly understand and appreciate your comments about the stay. Just to be clear, we, we just felt like we couldn't concede it in our case, and given that we have our own our own judge and our own our own constituents, it was something that we felt like we had to do. I'm, I'm not bothered by it at all. I think it's wrong. I think there's a huge difference between rejecting a contract and then what happens next. It's the what happens next that absolutely touches on the stack. Um, and I haven't heard, and I asked everyone who would listen to me over the past couple of days, as to give me the best argument you can come up with as to how a rejection would possibly violate an automatic stay in a case filed by the counterparty. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, may be that it's out there and I just haven't met anybody smart enough, and I may not be smart enough to, to up with it myself, but I don't see it. It's what happens next, and so you know, I want the thing that happens next is the most important thing to me. So let's focus on that. Let me ask: um, the Wild team have any opposition? Because it is your hearing, and again, I didn't mean to hijack your hearing. Um, any objection from the Wild team about taking a couple of minutes and see if we can talk about what I think the most important part of this is, and that's the transition. No objection, Your Honor. We agree with you. So it's 11:30. This is this is not a short conversation. Should we should we check in at noon? Does that make sense? And that would be noon central, 30 minutes from now. For that makes sense. All right. Then what I'll do? I'm, I'm going to leave everything up and running. I will I will mute everything, and I'll make sure that I don't. I'll make sure that I unmute it when I get back on. If it turns out that there are productive discussions and you need more time. Just have somebody pop back on and say we need more time, and that way folks who want to monitor can hear it, and um, and we'll, we'll figure out what to do next. If we don't go in a productive direction, then what I'll expect when we come back at noon is that uh, the debtor will present its case and we'll move forward. Okay? Yes. We've actually had preliminary discussions about these logistical <coughs> issues that have been I'm confident that we can use the 30 minutes um, productively to get to a resolution. We'll, we'll start that right away. Terrific. All right, then I'll see everybody back at noon central. Thank you. Thank you.
You ready? Great. All right, folks, it is 12 o'clock noon. We are back on the record in the jointly administered cases under case number 22-90341, Core Scientific. Folks, where are we? Uh, Your Honor, Chris Tony, uh, for the record. Uh, we had very productive conversations. We used the time well. Uh, language was proposed by Core that we believe works. We've recommended it to our client. Frankly, we just we need the client to sign off on it. We're not expecting any issues, but you know, we need to need a little bit more time to, to confirm with the client. Our proposal would be to, to submit an agreed form of order, you know, assuming that the client agrees to it. But uh, I think that we're we're resolved in the terms of an orderly transition that works for both Celsius and Core. All right. Um Debtor agree? Your Honor, yes, that's agreed. Just one request. Um, we're losing more than $1,000 an hour by leaving the machines on. So since it's agreed that we can turn the machines off, we intend to do so um, right after this hearing while we work out the form of order. Mr. Koenig, any objection to that? No, Your Honor. And I assume that there's no, there's no process for taking the machines down. It literally is just disconnecting power. No, there is a process um, to track palletizing. Oh, for right now, no, it's simply turning off the power. Ah, okay. I just I lived a life where there was a process to to taking something down. I just want to make sure that we were following any protocol that was in place or any process that was needed in order to ensure the longevity or preserve the integrity of the of the equipment. Core will do that in. in in the decommissioning process. Right. Mr. Koenig, let me ask, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I apologize, Your Honor. I, I was just going to say that's part of the, the language that we've agreed to is that part of the transition is how is CORE going to de-rack and palletize and get everything ready for pickup. But as far as just turning off the machines, we have no objection to them doing that right after this hearing. Okay. Let's just, let's talk to the people that know and make sure that, again, uh, you know, I've, I've lived in a world where if you flick, if you flicked off the power switch without running a process, yeah, it was a million dollar mistake. So let's um, let's make sure we do it do it the right way, um, Mr. Coney. Let me ask you this: I'm I'm perfectly comfortable if you tell me that you are proposing to simply submit an agreed order. I'm also perfectly happy if you want to. I can give you some time this afternoon if you want to come back and say, you know, we, you know, we have an agreed order. You can upload it before then, or we have this outstanding issue. What, what you know, the conversations that have occurred, obviously, much better than I do. What, what would be the most productive? I'm happy to take the time if, if it's not an imposition to you or to Chambers. I don't know what your schedule is like. I don't believe we're going to need the time. We had a very productive conversation. I, I expect we'll be able to get there on the agreed form of order in, in, you know, pretty rapidly. But if, if, if Your Honor has time this afternoon, we certainly won't say no to it. I've, I've had a number of things go off the docket. Um, so I'm perfectly happy to give you all some time if you think it would be helpful. Happy to, to, to have a placeholder on your calendar, and if we end up not needing the time, we can always contact Mr. Alonzo. Absolutely. How about three three thirty Central? That would be four thirty East Coast time. Would that work for everybody? That okay for Celsius. Okay. Then what we'll do is we will adjourn the hearing until three thirty, with hopes that perhaps an agreed order can be uploaded prior to. Um, but if folks who are listening, what I will do is at 3.30, 
whether we have a hearing or not, I will get on the line and make an announcement so that folks aren't wondering what's occurring. Any objections to that? No, Your Honor. And again, if you've uploaded an agreed order, no need for you to get on. I know you've got a million other things to do. All I'm going to all I'm going to do is to, if there's been an agreed order, I'm just going to make the announcement that an agreed order has been uploaded. I either have or haven't signed it, and if I have signed it, it's on the docket at docket number X. That's all I'll do. Okay. Okay, Your Honor. And what, what, what one just quick item to flag, and it's not an issue for today. It's just sort of a coming attraction, and we wanted to make sure while we had Your Honor in front of us. We discovered that Celsius recently made a prepayment for January services. That prepayment is in the amount of about $4.7 million. Not for today, not for rejection. It's not going to be part of this resolution, but it's going to be a resolution that we need to work on very soon. We're going to start talking to CORE immediately. Hopefully we can reach a resolution. If not, you know, we, we expect to bring it before Your Honor, but just wanted to flag so that, that you were aware of it as, a, as, a, as I said, a coming attraction potentially. Uh, either a resolution or, or, or another dispute that, that's going to arise. I got it. I assume that this is just one in a number of issues that you folks are going to have to address. And as I told you first day, and I meant it, I mean it today. As soon as you folks are ready to tee things up, we will have my undivided attention um, promptly. Thank you. We appreciate it. We just wanted to make sure Your Honor wasn't surprised. No, nope, I got it. It's uh, And what's, what's the fun in life if you can't get surprised from time to time? Uh, I will see everybody, if I need to, at 3.30, and if not, again, just reach out to Mr. Alonzo and let him know that, um, that, that an order is there. All right? Thank, Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, everyone. We'll be adjourned until 2.00.